Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, thank you, Mr. Kelly, and welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly. But right now you can call in and get in queue or line or whatever they call those things, all this thing on this computer screen, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. And thanks for having me on your show. You can give a call and we'll talk about plant selection. Yes, you can still buy plants at garden centers, trees, shrubs, all that kind of stuff. And even some of the perennials, you know, that are still available. They can be installed because the ground temperatures are still warm. Things from seed, that's going to be a little bit iffy, so watch out about that. So whether you want to talk about how your annuals are doing, how much longer they're going to be production aesthetically for you, your bulbs, too early to put those spring flowering bulbs in, but... You can start taking the elephant ears and cannas and things like that, those bulbs up out of the ground if you want to. You can wait from, you know, until the frost kills them, or you can wait till there's more yellowish leaves on them. It's your personal choice. Edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, trees, shrubs, and roses, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing today, and Cole's here with him as well. Cole's going to be, uh, he's learning. I mean, they were touching all kinds of buttons and sliding this and doing all that kind of stuff, so Cole's really picking up the system really quickly. And uh, during the week, I do uh, what I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and we talk about your landscape, improvements that can be made, problems, aesthetic or otherwise. Today I'm going to be going out to Lake St. Louis first, and then I'm going to be coming back to town and country. So I have two walk and talks today after the Garden Hotline. And the walk and talk, well, yes, but a special recognition, that's the tip of the trowel, for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden, which next weekend, guess what? It celebrates the Best of Missouri Market. I remember the days when I used to broadcast from the Best of Missouri Market. But um, anyway, times have changed, and so October 6th through the 8th is the Best of Missouri Market at the Missouri Botanical Garden. Friday the 6th is from 6 to 9. And the other days are more extended time periods, so... There is an additional cost, you know. Well, I don't know if it's an additional cost or not. Now, who knows? Anyway, Best of Missouri Market is really a cool thing. So get down there. So the tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden for all the events that they have at the Botanical Garden. And right now, this coming up next weekend, is going to be the Best of Missouri Market. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Is it okay if we go to a call, Greg, before we take a break? All right. Let's go to Doris, and Doris is in South County. Hi, Doris. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, I have some peonies that I want to divide and transplant. Is it too late to do this? Uh, you're kind of on the cusp, but yeah, if you get them, first of all, water them really well the night before you're going to dig them up. Then dig up the whole clump if you can, if they're not too huge. Cut the foliage off of them, and then you can just kind of chop them into pieces. But okay. get it done you know, fairly quickly because you want this root systems to get established into the ground. Now, anytime you dig up a peony, even if you don't divide it, transplant it and everything else, first of all, it may be a year or so before you're going to get any flowers. Second of all, the color of the flowers may not be what you expect until the plant gets well established. Well, it'll be a couple weeks before I can get this done. Is that going to be too late? It's too late. Okay. I mean, you're just, it's a roll of the dice. You know, with our screwy weather, you don't know what's going to happen, and that's going to be the determining factor on the success of your, you know, moving them. Okay. Another question on peonies. Why do the white ones smell so good, and the colored ones has very few, very little uh, fragrance to them? It's, you know, just, you know, the particular hybrids. There are probably other color ones that you don't happen to have that would have a fragrance and other white ones that don't have a fragrance. So it's not strictly related to color. It's a particular hybrid that they are. Well, if you buy them in the, in the garden shop, will they tell you which ones are which? <laughs> or is it a roll of the dice? Yeah, it's a roll of the dice, to be honest with you, because they're not going to, you know, be, I'll tell you, do you have access to the Internet? Uh, I can get get some. Yeah. Okay, I would go onto the internet and just go and check out fragrant peonies and see which varieties they are, and then see if they don't. If you're unsure of what ones the actual garden centers here are selling, you can get them on the internet and just buy the tubers, you know, that way. So you can make sure that you're going to get some fragrance. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Appreciate your help. Sure. And also for uh, you know other people, sometimes peonies are short. They don't flop over. The ones that are long and fly, end up flopping over because the stems are too long, the reason why that is happening is because they were hybridized way back when and basically used to bring in houses, rich people's houses, as cut flowers. So that's why they have really long stems, but outside, not in a vase, they just will lay over on their side. So let's see if we can get a uh, Judy in Jerseyville, Illinois. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm fine. I have a question. I have a strawberry pot full of hens and chicks. Is there any way to winter that over? Uh, I would say if you if so, this is a hardy variety of hen and chicks. As far as I know. OK, really, you can just leave it in the pot and just make sure that where you put it, you might bring, you know, bring it a little bit closer. Leave it where it can get some sun during the wintertime. But it should do fine outside in the pot. Awesome. Yeah. Because I tried bringing it in, and I have no success no, there. No, no, definitely don't do that. So that's why I wanted okay. to find out if it was a hardy variety. Now, if you're a little bit of concern, your pot, depending upon the size of your pot, if you have a garden space, just dig a little hole, set the pot in there where the top edge of the pot is above the surrounding ground, and just leave it alone. Okay. And then in awesome. the springtime, you can just pull the back up out of the ground. Okay. That sounds like a plan. Great. Thanks a lot. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. It's that time of the year. Wow, look at that. 
debris cloud. I see the funnel cloud starts to drop. Everything's gone. It looks like everything was turned into rubble. Tornado season is here, and severe weather can break out at any time. I've never seen anything like this. Stay informed. Stay up to date. Get the latest forecast every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons. And when severe weather hits, the King Moex Air Comfort Heating and Cooling Storm Center will be there for you. It's up to date, up to minute. St. Louis's news, traffic, and weather. KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, take a look at your lawn. Is there you know specific areas that you've had problems with over and over and over again? Well, take a real good look at these spots. Are they low? Does water sit there? Is it become a weed, more or less forest or field? There's reasons for that. So, yes, as I said before, we're getting near the end of the season to put any kind of cool season lawn grass seed out, like fescues or bluegrasses, but you can still do sod. But do not just bring sod in and lay it more or less on top of the existing ground. Improve that soil because if you don't, the sod is not even going to have any good luck either. So don't think that you can just sort of like take a Band-Aid and put it over a bad spot and get it solved. It's not going to work that way. So think ahead. Nancy lives in South County. Hi, Nancy. Hi, I have three questions, Mike. Um, the first one is my cannabulbs, um, I got them going late. But anyway, they're nice. But yet I noticed that they're kind of like growing. I got the flowers on the top, but they're growing out of the angle. So I guess I need clarification on the proper positioning and how deep to put those bulbs because I can kind of see a little bit of the top. Also, I was given some, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, if it even matters as far as irises. I think they're called uh, zebra irises or something. Some bulbs. So I want to know when I can plant those. And also the, um, the oh, I forget what it's called now, the, the bush that turns yellow that you said in the spring. Is that something that we can get now and plant or that's something we plant in the spring? No, you can get forsythia now if your garden center has them. So okay. a lot of the garden centers will have those. They should be well-budded. Don't prune them at all. And so the zebra iris, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but if have you did you buy it at a garden center this time of year? No, a friend was spinning his out, and he gave me some. Ah, well, stick them in the ground see what happens. Does it matter which way I do those bolts? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know nothing about bolts. <laughs> Well, I, usually with iris, is it a round bulb or is it like a long, like wormy looking thing? Well, there's a lot of like, almost reminds me of like a, what do you call it? A, not a daffodil. Uh, if it's a daffodil looking like thing. Like no, like a daylily with the green sprigs coming out of it. Oh, so I would say, you know, depending upon the type of, you know, you don't want to plant them too deep. Probably what this is is one that has a variegated foliage. So in other words, the leaves have stripes in it. That's my okay. guess. So consequently, I would, you know, it's getting kind of late, but I would go ahead and get them in the ground. And your cannas may be leaning for light. So cannas, as far as depth-wise, whether you're planting in the ground or in a pot, you only you put them down about four or five inches. That's how deep you go. But you want to make sure the soil is prepared so they can get, you know, root systems beyond the tubers, beyond Let's say they have two different kinds of roots. One is like the big root where the stems come out of, and then they have these small roots which absorb the nutrients and moisture and all that other stuff. So if they're leaning, it might not be because of the way you planted them. It might be because they're leaning towards light. Well, how do I prepare the soil for the bulbs then? Basically just, you know, you want to add organic matter, make sure it's well-drained. So that's what you need to do. So adding compost to it. 
and you know work it in deeply, and that's you know be- the best thing you can do. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank yep, you. Certainly. And now let's go to Barb in Winsville. Hi, Barb. Oh. Hi, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, a qu- a quick two questions. Uh, if I've got about a hundred volunteer um, marigolds this year in my vegetable garden, and which is quite all right. Right. I'm better at raising flowers than I am vegetables. Uh, how can I? Do I pull them up in the spring and there will be enough seeds to fall because I need to till that area? Oh, um, I would say just leave them alone. Do you have to till it right now? No, no. Okay. In the spring, I want to till the area. Okay. So that's you know that might mess up as far as them self-seeding. But I would say just leave them alone, leave them through the wintertime, let them produce as many seeds as possible, then go ahead and rototill and see what happens. Okay. If I and secondly, if I plant uh, bulbs in a big pot uh, and leave them in the garage, will they go through enough cold uh, to bloom next year, or they, do they really need to go through a freezing cycle? So, are you talking about tulips and daffodils? Yes, tulips. Uh, daffodils. Why don't you? How come you don't want to just leave them outside? Uh, just haven't got a pot out there yet, but I can perform that. <laughs> well, I plant all kinds of daffodils, tulips, grape hyacinths, and other kind of spring flowering bulbs in pots. And I just leave okay. the pots outside all winter long. So unless you want to put them in a pot and then have to, you know, lug the thing outside, which is going to be heavy, then you're going to have to water during the wintertime to make sure there's moisture for them and everything else. I would just get the pot, you know, with potting mix, not potting soil, and just plant them in a pot and put them wherever you want and just leave them alone. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And just make sure that if you do plant them and you place the pot, don't put the pot underneath the eave of your house. So, in other words, where rainwater or snow or ice or whatever else, moisture-wise, won't get to the pot. So that's the only concern. So thanks, Barb. And now let's go to William, and William lives in St. Charles. Hi, William. Oh, good morning, Michael. Hi. How are you today? Very good. How are your moonflowers doing? (laughs) My what flowers? Your moonflowers. They are spectacular. I mean, that pure white flower, I was kidding you with that. But anyway, I've got two different, you know, clumps of them. And probably on the one in the backyard cyclone fence, I may have 250 flowers every night. And the front one, finally, you know, Tracy's was always concerned about it. We're probably only going to get about 100 every night off those. Yeah, I'm getting 40 and 50 on mine, and yeah. I've only, I only have a few planted. Yeah, so I just bought. good bang for the buck. <laughs> you aren't kidding. Do you, 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 you buy, save the seed pods? Uh, no, I don't. You know, the pack of seeds, you get 10 seeds in the pack for $1.79. I just, you oh, I could know. save them, but I just, uh, yeah. Well, the risk guy you are. <laughs> the frugal gardener I am. <laughs> you could try it. But, you know, I've sometimes, you know, with I used to grow a lot of morning glories, you know, before right. I got into the moonflowers. And they're in the same family. They're cousins of each other. But, you know, yeah. the seeds were always somewhat iffy. But my, my mother grew the morning glories, and she just left them alone. The seeds dropped, and they came back year after year oh, after yeah. year. So. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, thanks very much. Have a great day. Sure. You do the very same thing. And thanks for asking about my moonflowers. I was kidding. But, you know. I take morning walks a lot of times before the sun comes up, especially this time of year because it's dark so late. Oh, 
But, I mean, you go out there and it is just striking the number of moonflowers. And, folks, if you don't know the moonflower, pure white, probably six or seven inches across, and just you know, the vines are just filled with them. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get ready for the Cards and Brewers this afternoon. Amron Pregame Show 220. First pitch with Mike Shannon and John Rooney 315. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're heading to Creve Corps, and that's where Les lives. Hi, Les. Yes, sir. Hi. Good morning. Uh, hey, I had a quick question here. I got like a garden. It's uh, 60 by 100, and every year I put on probably a couple hundred bags of leaves, dry leaves, and I grind them up and I till them in. Well, this year my garden wasn't no good. It, uh, nothing would even come up that I, that I planted. And I'm wondering what did I, uh, I'm sure I need a soil test, but, um, the leaves, when they rot, does that, that draws nitrogen out of the soil? During the, you know, during the rotting process, or if you have any wood mulch in there, yes, it certainly can do that. But for nothing to come up at all in a garden space that big, that is really kind of rare. So were these leaves out of your own yard, or where were these leaves from? Uh, I, I just collected them, you know, here and there. So you uh, just drive around and pick them up? <laughs> out of yeah, basically, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do if you're going to do that is be concerned that there may be some herbicides, there may be some you know things that were sprayed onto these plants that are in these bags, you know the foliages, the leaves that could impact your soil. Okay, yeah, I didn't think about that part of it. That would be my that would, if I was guessing, that would be my guess because if nothing came up, that is a real that says something is really going on. Like kind of not so good. So the best thing I need to do is take a soil soil test. Well, the soil test, if it's you know chemical related, the soil test is going to tell you the pH is going to tell you the nutrient level. It's going to tell you all this cationic exchange, which is those are the kind of words that you know my industry just sort of make up and doesn't make any difference at all. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, get a soil test done, find out what's going on. Okay, sir. Well, hey, thanks a lot. Yeah. Right, bye. Yeah, my concern would be, you know, the, some of those leaves were contaminated with some some kind of herbicide. Let's go from Creek Corps northward to Florissant into Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for your service. Sure. I've got a concern and, and a question. Uh, my concern is I'm wondering if anybody else beside myself is concerned about the new policy at St. Louis Composting that you can't bring your own container and a shovel and shovel up the amount of compost that you want. Have you? Are you aware of this? Yeah, but basically, what just like I was talking to the previous gentleman, they don't know what's going on as far as what's on your shovel or anything else. So that's you know that's probably you know where it's coming from. There could have okay. been some contamination from something, and they just want to make sure that the product that they have is going to be the best for everyone. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm a small, I mean, not much of a garden, you know, but it's easier for me to do that than handle these big, heavy bags, you know, that that you can buy. Yeah. Okay. Well, they do uh, deliver now. Yes, they told me that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, The the question is, um, are hydrangea susceptible like roses to black spots? 
with and not necessarily the same type of black spot that impacts the roses, but yes, all that is a fungal disease. It's a fungus. So okay. generally, when did this start happening to your hydrangea? Uh, it's a small hydrangea. It, it started really midsummer. Okay, it may be you know. I wouldn't be overly concerned with it, but when the foliage falls off your hydrangea, just make sure you get them all picked up. You know, as soon as they fall, really, you don't have to wait till all of them fall and then go out there. Because what happens is sometimes, even with roses, if, the, if you leave the leaves on the ground after they fall and they've got black spot on them or other types of fungus, they can inoculate the soil with those spores. And then the next year, when it rains and the foliage is coming out on the roses or the hydrangeas, it could splice these spores back up onto the new leaves of the, you know, in the next year and cause a problem again and again and again. Oh, okay. understand. All and right. another thing you might do, too, is if you're concerned with this, uh, you could spray a fungicide after you notice the fungus is there doesn't help a whole lot. It doesn't eradicate it. So you might go to your favorite garden center, tell them you've had black spot on your hydrangeas, see what kind of fungicide they'd recommend. Start spraying the fungicide when the leaves you know, first come out and okay. uh, when they're fully out, and then that way it'll act more as a preventer. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. Now let's go to St. Louis into Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hey, Mark. I got a question. Uh, we have a, uh, a large witch hazel in our yard, um, which I don't know if it's a tree or a bush, but we had a prune last fall. And over the summer, what we've been experiencing were, if you know about witch hazels, they're nothing but stalks right. that come up out of the ground. So we've been losing stalks. So I look over, there's dead leaves and I'll cut it out, you know, a little while later. And now I'm noticing two more stalks, you know, which were green all summer, all of a sudden the leaves are dying, wilting, turning brown. Um, do you have any idea what might be causing that? Probably weather-wise as much as anything. But, you know, before you cut something out, always take your fingernail and scrape the bark and see if right underneath the bark it's still green there. So, in other yeah. words, they could, you know, the foliage could just be browning because, guess what? Our weather has been extremely dry. And so witch hazel doesn't necessarily want wet but they certainly want it where it's, you know, they have adequate moisture. I don't know if you've watered or anything else, but if you yeah, haven't... No, they're in a well-irrigated area, you know, so so they've had water. And I would wait until, you know, they're pretty much bare stalks um, before, I, before I cut them out. And, and, it was, they were, and they were brittle. Did you try to break yeah. some of them? Okay, so... Yeah, they're just dying. They're just, they're just... And I've got two more stalks right now doing the same thing. They're just... You know, I haven't cut them out yet, but the leaves are all wilted and, you know. Well, which hazel, I mean, it's a, you know, there is one variety that's native to here, so they're very tough and durable. The only thing I can think of is, you know, maybe it's just an age factor. Is it the oldest, okay. biggest stalks that are turning brown? No, some, but, but you know, like right now, it's uh, two smaller, skinnier ones. They're, yeah. they're tall. I mean, they're, they're obviously one of the original ones because they are, they are, you know, large. Right. So nope. they, you know, the plant might just be compartmentalizing and getting rid of some okay. of them because you know when you cut, you know, when you prune a bunch of stuff off, you're reducing the amount of leaves. So the leaves is what's responsible for making food. So nutrients mm -hmm. and moisture come up from the root system. They go up to the leaf, and then the leaf uses sunlight to make food to share. So that's that would be my guess on what's causing it. That maybe the pruning was a little bit too, too extreme. Oh, uh, okay. Well. That's what I thought, too. 
all right, well, we'll just let it go. I hope we uh, hope you don't lose them. Yeah, great. that should be fine. Beautiful. You know, and the witch hazel blooms, I don't know which variety you have, but, I mean, that's they, the first thing that blooms in the springtime. Yeah, they get big white flowers. Whoa. They're really, really awesome. Wow. Yeah, huge. I mean, all over. It, uh, it, it looks like snow. Wow. They all fall. It, it, yeah, that variety. Yeah. Usually witch hazel are, you know, oranges or yellowish. Yeah, these are white, snow Whoa. white. Whoa. I don't yeah. even know that variety. Yeah, and uh, and it it looks great, and that's why we're hoping uh, we're hoping we don't we don't lose it. Right, because that's a rare. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Yep. Good luck. You think you think maybe it's getting too much water? You could be overwatering for sure. Okay. So I mean, an inch a week—that's all. Something like a witch hazel, and you know, if it's if you've had it for several years and it's done yeah. very well. Then, you know, with this goofball weather, that... Yeah. Oh, it's, that, it's big. Know. I mean, it's probably 10 feet tall, maybe yeah. more. Right. Yeah. So my guess is, hmm. Okay. Well, maybe I'll... maybe I'll, I got a sprinkler head there, that one zone. That's one of the things I thought, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's definitely an indication of overwatering or too wet the soil. Okay. Well, good. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try that starting in the spring, then. Okay, great. Good luck with that. And, um, I mean, a white-flowered witch hazel, that is so rare. I would think, you know, if I was guessing just from your description, big white flowers, that this is a chestnut. It's not a witch hazel. I'm not saying that I know more than you. You're growing the plant. So, but anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. When it's in the news. The whole island is without power. The island of Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory, is devastated right now. And talk about a place that needs attention and help. You'll hear about it from Mark Reardon. But instead, once again, we're bogged down into distractions. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners? That's where I would fault this president for not being a good leader. He can have his personal opinions, but the way that he communicates those opinions every single time, I'm trying to think of an exception here, is divisive. Non-productive. Mark Reardon, weekdays at 2 on KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about 10 minutes left, and then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Home Improvement Show, hosted by Greg Damon with Danny Core of Mosby Building Arts. Then at 1 o'clock, KMOX Profiles, 2.20, Amron pregame show with Alex Ferraro. So let's go now back to the phones, headed south to Arnold in the Scotchyard. Hi, Scott. How are we doing this morning? Very good. Quick question about uh, coeration. I know it's that time to do that now. You recommend putting compost or whatever on top of that after you coerate? I definitely do. About an inch or, you know, an inch or less. So Okay. And basically what that does is that when you coerate, you create holes. The compost fills, you know, falls into the holes, but also the compost that doesn't fall into the holes stays on the surface and just helps with the overall health of your uh, your soil. That's what it's how, all about. How's the best way to spread that? Shovel? Uh, uh, you can. Uh, you can do a rake. It doesn't matter. That I mean, St. Louis Composting actually has spreaders you can rent if okay. you want to get exotic. But you can just, you know, dump some out, just spread it. You don't have to worry about how deep it is. Just don't get it too deep. That's, you know, okay. and too little a- doesn't do anything. What about cutting after that's down? Um, is, is it okay to cut, or should you not cut? Or you mean you're mowing? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you can still mow. Okay, okay. 
And how late can you do that? And so, uh, as far as the coriation, we're getting kind of near the end. And even though we're cor- don't coriate warm season lawns, don't coriate zoysia, but fescues and bluegrasses, you know, the problem is you continue to do it and we get that cold, you know, really cold weather, it could damage some of the, let's say, the crowns of the grass plants. So that's okay. why you want to get it done, you know, as soon as possible, but certainly by mid to late October at the latest. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And let's go back to Crevecore into Williams Yard. Hi, William. Hi. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a sloping front yard with um, uh, two planters that we've installed around the trees. They're half-circled planters. Thinking tulips, you may have a better idea. And also, when would I put the tulips in and how deep if you, if you recommend tulips? You can do tulips. Uh, daffodils might be a little bit better. But, what, you know, in reality, I don't know what kind of trees these are, how big they are or anything else. But if you start digging down, for tulips and daffodils, you want to go down six, you know, about six inches or so. So you can go out there and dig around and see how much actually soil there is around the base of these trees and see if you can get down six inches. So okay, if you uh, they're, 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 they're trees with very very small leaves I don't know the type um, they're they're very very small leaf tree um, quite tall trees but there's a lot of sun underneath them in the summertime okay it's, it sounds like a locust tree to me it's either locust or golden rain tree my guess is locust tree so their root system is a little bit friendly but again in these spaces you want to make sure that you can get adequate depth to put these tulips or daffodils in. So go out there and, you know, don't rototill underneath that close to the tree trunks because you can do some damage to the tree roots that are going to be there. Even though the feeder roots are further out where the extension of the branches are, right there, there may be just more or less solid wood due to the root systems coming off the trunk, which is basically the crown of the plant. Yeah, we've installed we've installed these planters around the trees. These are stone planters we've okay. had installed that that have a like ten foot diameter around the tree. Right, they're half circle because the tree is. I mean, the, the front yard is sloping. Right, so there you, you know people do that for decoration. It looks very beautiful. We just want some flowers in there to add add you know add to the to the look of the home well basically if they're 10 feet out from the trunk i would say maybe the you know don't put any kind of bulbs any closer than six feet to the trunk maybe the last okay. three or four feet and then the choice okay. is yours okay thank you sir yep so tulips or daffodils daffodils are a lot more durable but even with the daffodils the hybrids now will only last for five six seven eight maybe nine years at the most tulips are basically a one-year shot so you're going to have to replant them every year. Breeze, Illinois, and that's where Ron's yard is. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. Excuse me. Uh, I have uh, three catalpa trees in big pots. Uh, the tallest is about a foot, foot and a half, and the other is about a foot. Uh, how late is too late to, to transplant them into a yard? Uh, you can do it basically until the ground is frozen, and so you've got plenty of time to do it. So any kind of woody type plant, whether it's tulip, you know, catalpa trees, whether it's you know a shrub of some type, whether it's a magnolia tree, whether you know it doesn't really matter. So you got plenty of time to get it done. Just get the area. What you want to do is make sure the hole is three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about eighty percent as deep, because you want the top of the more or less the root ball above the surrounding ground. So I could do it even after a first frost. Set. Yes. But, you know, the sooner you do it, the better it is because warm soil encourages root system growth establishment. 
So that's why, you know, really sometime between mid-September through mid-November would be the more ideal time to do it. Okay, thank you. Yep. And let's see if we can get one more call in. Muscoot, Illinois. Mary Jo, how are you? I'm fine, Mike. Uh, I have uh, four regular crepe myrtle plants that bloom every year, but I also have a miniature crepe myrtle, and I've had it for about seven or eight years. And in all that time, it's only bloomed, um, well, maybe one uh, had seven, eight blooms on it one year about two years ago. And I, I, I'm, if it doesn't uh, do anything in the next year, I'm going to get rid of it. So I'm, I'm, I want to fertilize it and give it one more chance. So when would I fertilize that and what kind of fertilizer? Basically, you just want a tree and shrub food. You want to fertilize it. Next year, right as the new growth is coming. But I admire your patience. If you've had only one year out of seven or eight years with blooms, I would have beheaded that thing a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, I'm losing my patience. Uh, Yeah, I can understand. But, I mean, you grow these things for the flower aspect of it. So it might be just a hybrid that just, you know, is somewhat dysfunctional. Let's put it that way. So next year, you know, normally whenever you get out there and start doing things, that's when you want to fertilize it, when the growth starts coming off the stems. And the, the first growth is going to be, of course, the leaves, and then the flowers are going to come later on. And then fertilize it every month for a couple months after your first fertilization. And just use any kind of all-purpose tree and shrub food. Don't use triple 12. Don't use anything like that at all. Get something specifically for trees and shrubs. Give it one more year. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I admire you for doing that. And I don't think we can get... Tess, if you could do it very, very fast. Yes. Go ahead. Love your show. Quick question. I inherited a house from a family friend, and I want to transplant either peonies, daylilies. I was listening earlier, so I know how to do the irises, but what can I do for the peonies and daylilies so I can keep some of them before I sell the house? Basically, you know, if you want to dig them up, you know, and water, water them first, dig them up, put them in pots. That way, the, that's the best way you can keep them because there's not really too much else you can do. I'm assuming you want to keep them because you're going to move to a different house. So that's, right. you know. Pretty, yes. Yeah. So, and do it as soon as you possibly can. But make sure with anybody that's, you know, dividing or digging up anything, you water it thoroughly the night before. If you don't, it's going to be a disaster. Do I cut them down to the ground and leave a short stem? Yeah, like so you know where they are. Yes, definitely. Small. We usually cut them off. So cut them low before I water and then dig them up the next morning. Exactly. Fabulous. Thank you. Yep. Thanks to everybody, and thanks to everybody for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And water, 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 water. It is so dry out there. It is unbelievable. And your plants are going to start showing some real stress So, and what it's going to do if we have a severe winter, it's going to be real trouble. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. You're home for Chiefs football. KMOX, KMOX HD St. Louis, 102.5 KEZK HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.